Hello, this is Father John Arthur Orr, Associate Pastor of Holy Ghost Catholic Church in Knoxville, Tennessee. This is our 22nd program on man and woman, he created them, a theology of the body. The Wednesday audiences of Pope John Paul II from 1979 to 1984. We're using the edition by Professor Michael Waldstein, to whom we're so deeply indebted. We are coming to the end of the cycle of reflections with which we tried to follow the appeal of Christ, transmitted by Matthew, chapter 19, verses 3 through 9, and Mark, chapter 10, verses 1 through 12. Have you not read that from the beginning? The Creator created them male and female and said, For this reason a man will leave his father and his mother and unite with his wife, and the two will be one flesh. Matthew chapter 9, verses 4 and 5. In Genesis, conjugal union is defined as knowledge. Adam united with Eve his wife who conceived and gave birth to Cain and said, I have acquired a man from the Lord. Genesis chapter 4 verse 1. Already in our earlier meditations we tried to throw light on the content of that biblical knowledge. By this knowledge, man, both male and female, not only gives the right name as he did when he gave names to the other living beings, Animalia, thereby taking possession of them. But he knows in the sense of Genesis chapter 4 verse 1 and other passages of the Bible and thus realizes what the name man expresses. He realizes humanity in the new man who is generated. In a certain sense, therefore, he realizes himself, that is, the man-person. In this way, the biblical cycle of knowledge generation closes. This cycle of knowledge is constituted by the union of person and love, which allows them to unite so closely with each other that they become one flesh. Genesis fully reveals to us the truth of this cycle, man, male and female, who through the knowledge about which the Bible speaks, conceives and generates a new being similar to himself, to whom he can give the name man, I have acquired a man, takes possession, so to speak, of humanity itself, or even better, retakes it into his possession. This retaking, however, occurs in a way that differs from the way he had taken possession of all the other living beings, Animalia, when he had given each its name. At that time, in fact, he had become their master. He had begun to carry out the content of the Creator's commandment, subdue the earth and rule over it. See Genesis chapter 1, verse 28. However, the first part of the commandment, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth, Genesis chapter 1, verse 28, contains a further content and indicates a further component. In this knowledge in which they give rise to a being similar to themselves, about which they can say together, It is flesh from my flesh and bone from my bones. Genesis chapter 2, verse 24. The man and the woman are carried off together, as it were, both taken into possession by the very humanity which they, in union, and reciprocal knowledge want to express anew and take possession of anew by drawing it from themselves, from the marvelous masculine and femininity maturity of their bodies, and in the end,
through the whole sequence of human conceptions and generations from the beginning, from the very mystery of creation. In this sense, one can explain biblical knowledge as possession. Is it possible to see in this knowledge some biblical equivalent of eros? We are dealing here with two conceptual spheres, with two languages, biblical and Platonic. Only with great caution can they be interpreted by each other. It seems, however, that in the original revelation, one does not find the idea of possession of the woman by the man or vice versa as an object. On the other hand, we know that due to the tendency toward sin, contracted as a consequence of original sin, man and woman must reconstruct the meaning of the reciprocal disinterested gift with great effort. This will be the subject of our further analyses. Knowledge stronger than death. The revelation of the body in, contained in Genesis, particularly in Genesis chapter 3, shows with impressive obviousness that the cycle of knowledge generation rooted so deeply in the power of the human body has been subjected after sin to the law of suffering and death. God, Yahweh, says to the woman, I will multiply your pains in childbearing. In pain you will bring forth children. Genesis chapter 3 verse 16. The horizon of death opens before man together with the revelation of the generative meaning of the body in the spouse's act of reciprocal knowledge. And so the first man, the male, gives to his wife the name Eve because she was mother of all the living. Genesis chapter 3 verse 20. When he had already heard the words of the sentence that determined the whole perspective of human existence from within the knowledge of good and evil, this perspective is confirmed by the words, You will return to the earth, for out of it you were taken. Dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Genesis chapter 3 verse 19. The radical character of this sentence is confirmed by the evidence of the experiences of man's whole earthly history. The horizon of death extends over the whole perspective of human life on earth. A life that has been inserted into that original biblical cycle of knowledge generation. Man who has broken the covenant with his creator, gathering the first fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is cut off by God Yahweh from the tree of life. Now let him not reach out his hand any more and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. Genesis chapter 3 verse 21. In this way the life given to man in the mystery of creation is not taken away but restricted by the limit of conceptions of births and of death and further worsened by the perspective of hereditary sinfulness. Yet it is in some way given to him anew as a task in the same ever-recurring cycle. The sentence Adam united himself with or knew Eve, his wife, who conceived and gave birth, Genesis chapter 4 verse 1, is like a seal impressed in the original revelation of the body at the very beginning of man's history on the earth. This history is always formed anew in its most fundamental dimension from the beginning, as it were, by the same knowledge 
generation about which Genesis speaks. And in this way, every man carries in himself the mystery of his beginning, strictly tied to consciousness of the generative meaning of the body. Genesis chapter 4 verses 1 and 2 seems to be silent about the relation that runs between the generative and the spousal meaning of the body. It is perhaps not yet the time nor the place to clarify this relation, although this clarification seems indispensable in our further analyses. At that future point, it will be necessary to raise anew the question tied to the emergence of shame in man, a shame of his masculinity and his femininity that he did not experience before. At present, however, this question moves to a secondary level. On the primary level, by contrast, there remains the fact that Adam united himself with, knew his wife, who conceived and gave birth. This is the precise threshold of man's history. It is his beginning on the earth. On this threshold, man stands as male and female with the consciousness of the generative meaning of his own body. Masculinity contains in a hidden way the meaning of fatherhood and femininity that of motherhood. In the name of this meaning, Christ was one day to give the categorical answer to the question the Pharisees addressed to him. Matthew chapter 19, Mark chapter 10. We, on the other hand, when we penetrate the simple content of this answer, are seeking at the same time to shed light on the context of this beginning to which Christ appealed. The theology of the body plunges its roots into this beginning. In man, consciousness of the meaning of the body and consciousness of its generative meaning come into contact with the consciousness of death, whose inevitable horizon they carry, so to speak, within themselves. And yet, in man's history, there always returns the knowledge generation cycle in which life struggles always anew with the inexorable prospect of death and always overcomes it. It is as if the reason for this unyielding strength of life which shows itself in generation were always the same knowledge with which man passes beyond the solitude of his own being and even more decides anew to affirm this being in another and both man and woman affirm it in the new man whom they generate in this statement, biblical knowledge seems to take on a still greater dimension. It seems to insert itself into that vision of God himself, which concludes the first account of the creation of man concerning male and female made in the image of God. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. Genesis chapter 1 verse 31. Despite all the experiences of his own life, Despite the sufferings, the disappointments in himself, his sinfulness, and finally despite the inevitable prospect of death, man always continues, however, to place knowledge at the beginning of generation. In this way, he seems to participate in that first vision of God himself. God the Creator saw everything, and indeed it was good, and always anew he confirms the truth of these words.
And with these words, Pope John Paul II concludes his 22nd catechesis on man and woman. He created them a theology of the body. There are many salient points which we should consider having heard this 22nd catechesis of our Holy Father. Again, he reminds us of Genesis, the conjugal union defined as knowledge. This part of number six of chapter one, part one, the words of Christ, Christ appeals to the beginning, knowledge and possession. Conjugal union is defined as knowledge. Carrying on this aspect, Adam knew his wife and she conceived. The conjugal union is the union of husband and wife to make love, the marital nuptial embrace, conjungus with a yoke. This is part of the teaching of sacred scripture. The Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, has identified for us that there is in the sacred scripture a biblical cycle of knowledge generation. He has this phrase, knowledge generation hyphenated, to show that it is not just the generative act and not just the unitive act, but both together. Even without saying as much, this is what's behind it. So it reminds us back in 1968. Pope Paul VI, the Venerable Servant of God, he wrote Humani Vitae with assistance from his friend from Krakow, Karol Wojtyla, who became his successor twice removed as the Bishop of Rome. The sacred scripture, the Bible, has a cycle of knowledge generation. This is important enough for Pope John Paul II to include in his catechesis on the theology of the body. And as a part of the biblical cycle of the knowledge generation hybrid, as it were, there is a new being brought into existence, a new being similar to the parents, reaching all the way back to the beginning. And this new being is conceived, is generated. The new being begins to exist in conception, at the moment of conception, a DNA which is distinct from the father, which is distinct from the mother. It's a third DNA, a third being, a third person. Not only is this new being similar, this new being is similar to themselves via biblical knowledge. God made us, made us to his own image. God is all-knowing, God who is love. God who has given a share, a participation in creation called procreation, so they cooperate with God and bringing a new being into existence similar to themselves. This is the biblical knowledge generation cycle. And our Holy Father reminds us that the whole sequence of human conceptions and generations from the beginning, from the very mystery of creation, there is this cycle. There is this sequence, when was I conceived, when was I born, when were my parents conceived, when were they born, and my great-grandparents, and we go back, and we go back to the beginning. The whole sequence of human conceptions from and generations from the beginning, from the very mystery of creation, so often we're caught up in only the here and now, and the Holy Father is asking us to have a wider scope, to have a broader vision. And he does this based on the sacred text. The text of Holy Scripture found in the book of Genesis, 
Holy Father also asks us to expand our way of thinking by invoking a biblical and a philosophical, specifically Platonic, vision. Pope John Paul II cites Plato in regards to Eros. Eros, which has been reduced, truncated, so as to only refer to sexual matters. It may be good to mention here that Pope Benedict XVI, who has called John Paul his beloved predecessor, in his first encyclical letter, Deus Caritas Est, God is Love, likewise addressed Eros, Agape, and Philia, three different Greek words for love, reminding us that God is love. When Pope John Paul II here invokes the word Eros, he reminds us that we have a thirst for a transcendental beauty, a beauty which is beyond us. Here we can well remember St. Augustine of Hippo, bishop and doctor of the church, who in the confessions would write, Late have I loved you, ever ancient, ever new. Late have I loved you, love and beauty not unrelated. For we love what is beautiful in our beloved, God who is all good, all knowing, all beautiful, all true, has made us for himself, made us in his own image. Pope John Paul II makes it clear, however, that the biblical use of knowledge is not the platonic eros, is not the possessive taking to oneself, which is compounded by original sin, but the biblical knowledge is so linked to that reciprocal disinterested gift of self, God who gives himself, Adam who gives himself to his wife Eve, Eve who gives herself to her husband Adam, and in their reciprocal disinterested gift of self, God gives new life. A new being, similar to themselves, comes into existence. And our Holy Father reminds us of the experience of all these things over the centuries. This is that biblical cycle of knowledge generation again. And the Holy Father reminds us likewise of the generative meaning of the body, meaning so important to the Holy Father that we can know things and know the meaning of things. We can know actions and their meanings. You pat someone on the back, you shake hands, signs of friendship. You slap someone on the face, you smack them in the nose. It has a different meaning, a different connotation. The Holy Father speaks to us of masculinity and femininity, which in a hidden way reveal a meaning, not only the spousal meaning of the body, but fatherhood and motherhood. This is the theology of the body. Pope John Paul II insists that the theology of the body unpacks these ancient words, these revealed words, these sublime truths found in sacred scripture in the book of Genesis. And if we fail to look there, we truncate our own understanding. We truncate our understanding of how God has made us. Pope John Paul II in this 22nd Catechesis on the Theology of the Body, male and female, he created them, speaks to us of three consciousnesses. Consciousness of the meaning of the body, the body has meaning. Consciousness of the generative meaning of the body, that one great aspect of the human body is the ability to procreate, to bring a new being into existence. And the third consciousness is that of death. Death 
one of the consequences of original sin, and he mentions three of the four in this catechesis, suffering, death, ignorance, and a tendency to do evil. The tendency to do evil, concupiscence, is alluded to as our suffering and death. One thing the Holy Father mentions in relation to the knowledge generative cycle found in sacred scripture and represented by him in his theology of the body is how it is so persistent in human history. In point of fact, there'd be no human history without its persistence. Adam knew his wife and she conceived. The conjugal union throughout the ages, overcoming death with the new life brought into being generation after generation. This shows the power of the knowledge generation cycle. Pope John Paul II identifies five different things which the knowledge generation cycle overcomes. The knowledge generation cycle which allows us participate in God's vision despite experiences of life. Not all of the experiences we have during life are great. There are rotten things that happen. But in spite of them, new hope, new life given. In spite of sufferings which come our way, in spite of the sufferings which we witness, the sufferings which we know about if we study history, the knowledge generation cycle overcomes this. Even the sufferings of childbirth. The Holy Father cites the passage from Genesis where the pangs of birth are increased as part of the punishment of original sin. In spite of sufferings, in spite of the experience of life, the power of the knowledge generation cycle allows us to participate in God's vision. In spite of disappointments, how often we set our hopes, our, our sights, our expectations, and they're dashed. But in spite of that, life goes on. New life begins. In spite of sinfulness, my own sinfulness, that of my neighbors, that which I have inherited from my first parents. In spite of sinfulness, the knowledge generation cycle allows me, allows you, allows us to participate in God's very vision, God's vision for our good and for our welfare, for our salvation, ultimately, redemption. And even the inevitable prospect of death, in spite of that, death comes to us all. But we hope in the resurrection and life everlasting. That's part of the theology of the body. For Christ died in his body, but on the third day he rose again, glorious and triumphant. And our faith is in him who overcame the cross, sin, death, the grave. His cross is the true tree of knowledge. His cross is the true tree of good and evil. His cross is the true tree of life. And we receive knowingly the fruit of the tree of life which is the cross which brings to birth in us anew wherein we receive building on the baptism new life in christ adopted sons and daughters god most high brothers and sisters to christ himself in these early chapters of genesis pope john paul ii is showing us the whole divine economy the plan of salvation how good for us to hear it to look at it anew how good for us to believe it. How good for us to put it into practice in our lives. To have this supernatural vision. Not to be myopic, not to be other Mr. Magoos, but to have that 2020 assisted by God's revelation and by the sure and certain teaching of Mother Church, the Magisterium. 
So we see in this 22nd catechesis, this 22nd installment of the theology of the body, male and female, he created them, the importance of the affirmation of the truth of the book of Genesis. The Pope is not fixating on a six 24-hour period of creation and the seven 24-hour period as the day of rest. What he is affirming is the truth of creation, the truth of the human being, male and female, made to the image of God, to the glory of God. What the Holy Father is affirming here as he affirms the truth of Genesis is also the truth of our redemption, the fall and the redemption, two sides of the same coin. Render unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but render unto God what is God's. And we all belong to him in whose image we are made, born and unborn, male, female. God has seen everything he created, and indeed it was good, and it is good. And by God's grace will be good for all eternity on high. Pope John Paul II shows himself yet again in this 22nd installment of the Catechesis, Theology of the Body, Male and Female, He Created Them, not to be a Gnostic. Pope John Paul II is not a Manichaean. So many have accused the Church of uh, Puritanism or discounting of the importance of the human body or the nuptial embrace, the marital embrace, to make love between husband and wife. But the Holy Father is anything but a Gnostic. They would decry the body. They would discount the body, like the Manichaeans later. But the Holy Father knows that the body is part of God's good creation, and that our right use of the body, the way we express our love for each other within holy marriage, and even within the church as brothers and sisters in Christ, is so important, is part of God's plan for us. And I think that's what has motivated our Holy Father, Pope John Paul II, to prepare these 133 catechesis on man and woman. He created them a theology of the body. In our next program, we will conclude the first chapter of the first part of man and woman. He created them a theology of the body. We've seen the words of Christ, Christ who appealed to the beginning, and what is meant by the beginning, how there are two stories of creation in the book of Genesis, how man recognized that he was unlike all the other creatures, all the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beast of the land, and he recognized in his wife another self, not only the original solitude of the creation, but the original unity of the two, and how before the fall the man was naked without shame, and it was through sin that shame entered the world. The Holy Father has taught us about the dimension of the gift, the spousal meaning of the body, how God has given us not only our being, but the power to procreate. The Holy Father has taught us about the mystery of original innocence. So often we have fixated on original sin, and it's something very important to treat. But even before the fall, there was in the good creation of God, the original innocence, how heaven and earth were united how there was peace between God and us, and how we forfeited it by our sin in our first parents. Now we live after the resurrection and ascension of the Lord, after his saving passion. Christ, who is the new Adam, Mother Church, his bride, in whom we are born again by grace and faith, 
in baptism and the other sacraments. This is how we have come to know God who has begotten us in those regenerative waters, who has made us his own, who has revealed himself to us, who are likewise the fruit of the knowledge of our own parents. So next time you're at a wedding, or next time your anniversary comes around, remember these things, because it's all about holy marriage. It's all about the nuptial union, husband and wife, this man, this woman, forever. In our next presentation, we will conclude with the Holy Father's integral vision of this first chapter, and then we will begin our directed reading of chapter 2 of Man and Woman, He Created Them, A Theology of the Body. Until next time, God bless you.